Greetings. This is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our series in the book of Acts, and today we will look at Acts chapter 10, verses 21 through 48. In our last session, God sent an angel to speak to a man by the name of Cornelius, a Roman centurion who was also a worshiper of the God of Israel. The Bible describes him as a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the poor and prayed to God always. This man was instructed to send for the Apostle Peter as he could tell Cornelius the way of salvation. God also gave Peter a vision which was meant to convey to him that he should no longer consider a Gentile as one who was unclean but that all would be united together through that salvation which is found in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We pick up our story with verse 21 of chapter 10. The Word of God reads this way. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man and one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. We're going to pause here for a moment and to discuss what we've just read. The men that Cornelius had sent had just traveled 30 miles. I'm sure that they must have been very hot, sweaty, tired, hungry, thirsty. The Bible tells us that when they arrived at Simon's house, Peter did not hesitate to go down to greet the three Gentile visitors that had come. In fact, you will notice that he actually invited them in to speak with him and to stay the night in Simon's house. For a Jew to do this for a Gentile guest was unheard of in that day. This action alone tells us that Peter's mind and heart is being transformed. The process had been happening for quite some time. But now he no longer viewed Gentiles as unclean people to be shunned by a good Jew. No, Jesus had placed in his heart love and acceptance. And he began to realize that the gift of salvation was for all the world, Jew and Gentile alike. I like the way the three men described their master. They said, and I quote, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. This description adds the fact that Cornelius was a man who had a good reputation among the Jews. This statement verified that he had become a sincere worshiper of the God of Israel. 
I think it is significant that the three men, the three man delegation included this as part of their description. Were they also worshipers of the true and living God? And they also pointed out that it was a holy angel who instructed Cornelius to send for Peter. This is also significant, as this also becomes a confirmation that this was not a joke or a trap. God was the one behind this entire event. Their words were truthful, respectful, and the message was designed to inspire Peter to action. Because of the vision that God had given Peter, and because of the presentation of the three men, Peter agreed. On the very next day, they began their 30-mile journey back to Cornelius in Caesarea. In addition to the three men sent by Cornelius, Peter also took with him six Jewish believers who would serve as witnesses to what will soon take place. In Jewish law, to verify that a testimony was true, they, there had to be at least two witnesses testifying. Therefore, we can, we can surmise that this is three times the amount required so that when they returned home, and when they gave an account of what had just transpired, there would be no doubt in anyone's mind that God has now extended salvation to the Gentiles. And this would also mean that Jew and Gentile would be united together through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, let's pick up the story beginning with verse 24. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him, saying, Stand up! I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. 
once again, we'll pause in our reading to consider what we have just heard. You know, when, when Peter arrived at the home of Cornelius, he found that Cornelius had gathered all his relatives and close friends in anticipation of what Peter would be sharing with them. The eagerness and expectation of Cornelius is inspiring. Here is someone who has only a partial understanding of who the God of Israel is. He had no knowledge of the one who can save one from sin, and yet he knows that there is a message coming that will utterly transform his life. He had, in a sense, become an evangelist before he was even saved, before he even knew the name of Jesus. Regarding this, I like what one commentator said. He writes, We must not miss Cornelius' example as an evangelist. He anticipated a message from Peter and invited his family and friends to hear the message that he himself had not yet heard. There's an example of someone who had great confidence in what God was going to do and who was willing to take the relational and reputational risks to expose those he loved to the gospel. Are you willing to do the same? That is a question to consider. Are we willing to do the same? Do we really believe that the gospel message of Jesus Christ can transform lives, can bring hope, can bring healing, can bring purpose? Do we really believe it? How great is our anticipation when we go to hear a message from the Word of God? Well, let's continue. When Peter arrived at his house, the first thing that happened was that Cornelius bowed down before Peter because he was so moved that this man of God would come to him. But Peter quickly corrected that action, reminding him that Peter was a man just like any other man. You know, in our day today, There are many temptations presented to a servant of God when they are praised or lifted up as someone special in the church. However, we must always remember that the focus of all ministries should and must be on Jesus. He is the one who has saved sinners like you and me. And anything that is praiseworthy is only because it is the Spirit of God that is at work in the heart and life of every servant of God. As Jesus said in John 15, 5, we can do nothing, absolutely nothing, without Him. And in fact, it is through the power of the Holy Spirit within us, the guidance of the scriptures, and the love of God that enables us to do what he has called us to do. Therefore, all glory must go to Jesus. And the focus of the testimony must be on Jesus who saved us. 
When Peter began to speak to this group of hungry souls, he first pointed out how unusual it was that he was there in in a Gentile's house speaking to Gentiles. This simply was not done. It would have been considered blasphemy to do such a thing among the Jewish community, and yet this is what God had called Peter to do. So he went, and he spoke willingly from the heart. Peter added, But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. As we've discussed before, in Christ, there is no division between Jew and Gentile. For we are all grafted in together as one body in Christ. Therefore, as Jesus commanded us, we must love one another deeply from the heart. There's a passage in the book of James that teaches on this principle, although it uses a more common example for us today, and that would be the example between the rich and the poor. Remember the gospel is for Jew and Gentile, male and female, rich and poor, young and old. Let me read just a small portion of this passage out of the book of James, James chapter two, beginning with verse one. My brethren, Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, You stand there, sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brother, God has not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. I have a friend who decided to do an experiment based on this passage of scripture. Um, It was a few years back. There was to be an all-church event So he and his wife decided to go to the event disguised as homeless people who had just shown up. They had on filthy clothing, wigs, and makeup to hide their appearance. No one knew who they were. And no one engaged them in conversation. In fact, all of the people there shunned them. When they tried to join in a conversation, the people simply turned away and ignored them. But at the end of the evening, my friends revealed who they really were, and the people were stunned. This was the pastor of the church and his wife. My pastor friend used this as an opportunity to teach this principle that we dare not show partiality to anyone. Jesus sees the heart of us all and he died for all, and he loves each one of us. 
As the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, Cornelius decided it was time to share what had transpired that caused him to send for Peter. And Peter responded, knowing that God so loved the world, Jew and Gentile alike, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I love what the angel said to Cornelius in verse 31. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. This statement reminds me of something Jesus said in Matthew 6, when he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Cornelius desired to know more about God. He desired to have the assurance of sins forgiven. He wanted all that God had to offer. And his desire and his prayers were accompanied by godly acts of mercy in the giving of alms, and that is, money to the poor. God heard his prayer. And he answered Cornelius with this angelic visitation. And now Peter was standing in their midst, ready to give his testimony about Jesus, who he is, what he came to do, and what he offered to all those who would seek him. Has there ever been such an eager audience to hear the life-saving message of Jesus? God will always respond to those who seek him. That is his promise. He said in Jeremiah 29, 13, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. William Barclay adds this. It is always God who takes the first step. When the human mind begins to seek and the human heart begins to long, God comes to meet us far more than halfway. When we go to God, we do not go to one who hides himself and keeps us at a distance. We go to one who stands waiting for us and who even takes the initiative by coming to meet us on the road. Cornelius demonstrated an amazing eagerness to know and obey God. He responded immediately to the vision given to him by God and expressed gratefulness to Peter for coming to tell him about God. He sensed God's presence in the moment and demonstrated a receptive, teachable heart. My question to you is this. Are you eager to hear from God and to do His will? If not, would you consider asking the Spirit of God to give you a thirst for Him, a willingness, a heart for God, a hunger to do His will.
Well, in response to such an eager request, Peter began to speak. And let's read what Peter had to say, beginning with verse 34 of our passage today. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. You know, Peter started with a thing that he had just learned and received with an open heart. That God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears God and works righteousness is accepted by him. This is the very thing that was happening in that room. It was filled with people who were hungry for God. Cornelius had proved his heart's desire the works of righteousness was not to earn his salvation, but rather they were the proof of his heart's desire. I like how Dr. Ironside describes this scene. He writes, wherever a man is found in all the world, he turns in repentance to God and takes the place of a lost sinner and trusts God for deliverance. God will make himself responsible to give that man light enough to be saved. Peter was the sent one to convey the message to Cornelius. And so Peter continued by explaining that the peace between men can only be obtained through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Again, I turn to the observations of Dr. Ironside. He continues, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. That epitomizes the message of the gospel. 
into a world torn by the effects of sin, trouble, distress, bloody warfare, grief, pain, sorrow, and death. God sends his messengers preaching peace by Jesus Christ. When we trust that blessed Savior, we have peace with God. And when we learn to bring our daily troubles to him, the peace of God keeps our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is the message the world needs today. Peace through Jesus Christ. And God still needs messengers today, like Peter. Are you willing to be one of them? Now remember, Peter's message was all about Jesus. He began by talking about his life, being raised in the region of Galilee, how he was baptized by John the Baptist, and how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus' ministry was spent in doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And then Peter said this, for God was with him. That last phrase is one that holds great meaning for me. Have you ever noticed how many times it comes up in scripture? I have. And it has encouraged me many times throughout my life. I first noticed it with Joseph. In Genesis 39, 21, it says, And the Lord was with Joseph. But then we have Abraham. Genesis 26, 3, when God says, I will be with you and bless you. With Jacob, in Genesis 31, 3, Then the Lord said to Jacob, And I will be with you. To Joshua, in Joshua 1, 5, God said, So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. To Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 16, and the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you. And to Solomon in 1 Kings eleven thirty-eight, God said, Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways, and do what is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments as my servant David did, then I will be with you. And now I can say, and God is with Jane. Just as it says in 1 Samuel 12, 22, and God promises this, for the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. And so I can say to you, God is with you. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do you believe this? He is with you and will empower you to live for him and to serve him and to obey him. He promised that he would never leave you nor forsake you. And let me add this promise that Jesus made to his disciples and to all of us who have put our trust in him. He said, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Well, let's continue looking at Peter's sermon. Peter pointed out that he and the other apostles were eyewitnesses to all that Jesus had been, had, had lived and, and done and spoke. And they were also eyewitnesses to Jesus' death, 
and resurrection. As well as many of his post-resurrection appearances, Jesus even proved that he was alive again when he ate and drank with them on more than one occasion after his resurrection. And then finally, Peter told them that there will come a day when Jesus will come back and judge the living and the dead because, and I quote, it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission or forgiveness of sin. As Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit moved in the hearts of all those who had gathered there, bestowing on them the gift of faith. And as they believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell upon them in power, and they began to speak with other tongues, just like on the day of Pentecost. This is known among biblical scholars as the Gentile day of Pentecost. It was important that this duplicate event happened because it was a confirmation to the Jewish believers and the other apostles that this truly was the evidentiary work of God and that, yes, the Holy Spirit had been poured out on Gentile just as it had been poured out on the Jew. Can you imagine the joy in the room on that day? What an amazing thing had just happened. Both Jew and Gentile alike had to have been overwhelmed with emotion. Peter burst out saying, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Clearly, there was no argument that could have been brought. And so they were all baptized as an outward evidence of their salvation in obedience to the command of Jesus in the Great Commission. Warren Wearsby adds this observation. With this event, the period of transition in the early history of the church comes to an end. Believers among the Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles have all received the Spirit of God and are united in the body of Christ. These Gentiles were not saved by being baptized. They were baptized because they gave evidence of being saved. Sinners have always been saved by faith. That is one principle God has never changed. From now on, the order will be, hear the word, believe on Christ, and receive the Spirit, and then be baptized and unite with other believers in the church to serve and worship God. Once again, let me say that it is what you believe about Jesus that makes all the difference. Jesus alone is our Redeemer and Savior because He is the one who died for your sins and mine. That is why it is so important for Cornelius and the people gathered there to hear about how Jesus lived, died, and rose again. And upon hearing and believing, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. Their lives were completely transformed on that day and for the rest of their lives. Let me close with these sobering yet encouraging words from the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. It reads this way, beginning with verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, con conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear 
knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of, from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and his flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. Do you believe this, my friend? Will you trust him? Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for the eagerness of Cornelius and for the mighty work that you did on that day when suddenly these lives were saved through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And this, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that was just the beginning. It, that work continues on today. And we thank you, O God, that we have been sealed with that promised Holy Spirit because of our faith in Jesus Christ which is the guarantee of our inheritance until the day of Christ Jesus. But Lord, we understand that, that we too are called to be your witnesses. And we look at Cornelius and we see the eagerness and, and how even before he understood everything, he already was calling the people that he knew and loved to come and listen to the life-changing message of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would put it in our hearts to have that same measure of eagerness because we know people, all of us do, who have yet, not yet received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we know, O oh God, that the only hope, the only hope in this world is Jesus. And the only source of life is Jesus. So Lord, I pray Give us a heart's desire to be your faithful witnesses and to live for you, to trust you, and to obey. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you are finding these messages helpful and encouraging, or if you have a question that you would like to ask, feel free to email me at BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com. Again, that email address, all one word, BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com. And so until next time, my dear friend, may you be blessed as you embrace this glorious truth 
and as you trust in his faithful promises. May God bless you richly.